everybody. Welcome to the Spirit of South Park. What a great impersonation. I think that was right on. Holy shit, we just killed your friend. I have nothing against kicking babies. I laughed hysterically the whole way through. I mean, obviously, I, I can't. I, I, I obviously was, I mean, Barbara Streisand. Well, this certainly does suck right here. Welcome back to the Spirit of South Park podcast. I'm your host, Drew. And today I'm joined by a guest that we had in season one. And he is back for his second episode today. I am joined by Rufio. How's it going, Rufio? Hey, glad to be back. Thanks for having me back. I was just trying to think of it, and I cannot remember what episode you were on season one. Do you remember? Uh, Chocolate Salty Balls. Ah, yes. How could we forget? Easily, because I didn't remember that that episode wasn't <laughs> what I thought it was. Oh, I, I do remember we all thought that was going to be so much more than what it was, and there was uh, a lot of disappointment there. Today we are going to talk about season three, episode three, Succubus, and we'll find out if there's any disappointment here go ahead while we're getting started here and refresh everybody's memory on your experience with south park so we're about we're, we're like the same age uh and yeah. so my experience with south park was you know trying to figure out how to to sneak down to the tv or something late at night after bedtime so i could see the episodes when they aired or just trying to catch them uh on reruns or um, I have some pretty vivid memories of watching clips on E-Bombs World. <laughs> Is that still a thing? I have no idea. No idea. Worth some researching, though. Yes. And so I digested um, South Park uh, kind of in the in the moment and uh, a little bit at a time. Okay, so you've been around for a while. You've uh, if you had to if you had to guess and put a percentage on how many episodes you've seen, what would that percentage be? Oh, uh, from the early stuff, um, probably from seasons, you know, one through eight, one through ten, maybe even probably a good sixty to seventy-five percent. I've seen a lot of them, um, mm -hmm. but after that, very sporadic. Yeah, and I know that's kind of what I was just thinking was I feel like I need to catch up on a lot of the more recent stuff, but you know, we'll get there in like twenty forty-two or something. Our kids will take it over. Yeah, yeah. We'll just, you know, hand it off and let them go with it. Could be a good, uh, you know, father-child bonding experience. So, yeah, we've, we've both been around the South Park universe since the beginning, and we're fairly familiar with it. Announcements. As always, this is the point in time in the show where I thank Pat for supporting the pod. If you would like to support the pod, you can do so by going to our Anchor page and setting up just a little monthly donation there. Helps, helps keep the wind in the sails, as uh, one podcaster I listen to a lot says. Although, I don't even know if we have sails at this point, but we do have a boat, sort of. It's a raft. <laughs> cardboard cardboard boat, raft, maybe. Plank of wood. Anyway, listener comments. Uh, I only had one listener comment recently. I just released episode 3.1 and totally screwed up the sound on it. And I went back and fixed it and re-released... So hopefully it sounds better, hopefully it's louder, and I took care of the little audio issue we had there. I think it should be good to go, but if it's not, you know, give me feedback. It gives me an opportunity to fix it and put something out that's at least a semi-acceptable product. Uh, Rufio, do you have any listener comments? I have a question about that. Does that mean that anyone or all your listens got reset? I did not, actually. Um, oh, at least I don't think so. That was actually one of the things I was trying to check before the show, and it wasn't loading. Um, but it allowed me to take the audio out and put the new file in with almost no issues, huh. which goes towards saying a lot of how easy to use Anchor is. Yeah, I just checked. Our listens are still at the same. Nice. Um, and everything's good there. And I've had times before where I forgot to put the, the ad in when I publish an episode, and all I have to do is go back, click one button, and I can put the ad in at the beginning. Nice. You know, here's a little, little more support for Anchor. They make it really easy to put out a podcast. That's why I have two of them. Fair. Which you can also find Rufio on Nothing of Value, my other podcast, which will 
Your episode will be releasing probably here about July 16th, which will probably nice. be about two months ago by the time this actually gets released. <laughs> if we're lucky. If we're lucky. All right. Any other listener comments? Anything you want to say before we move on to our loose ends? Well, let's move on. Okay, so the last episode that was recorded, and I haven't decided how I'm going to release these yet, if I'm going to do chronological order or recording order, but the last episode that was recorded was Jakovasaurs. I had my college roommate Kyle on to help me out with that one. I don't want to necessarily say how we scored it. I'll just say it wasn't near the top. Let's go with that was not a favorite episode of ours by any means. Rufio, do you have any recollection of Jacobosaurus? Did you ever watch that episode? No, I have never seen Jacobosaurus. And a little spoiler <laughs> alert, I have never seen this one either. Really? So really. When, when you watched for, for our episode here, that was your first time watching Succubus. There was no N-word factor. Ah, okay. So you and I have not talked about it other than saying that we think we're on opposite sides here of where our scores were. Mm-hmm. This this was a huge um, nostalgia factor for me. This episode, so that's that could play into uh, why we're on different levels here. But we'll get into that. Um, also, in the loose ends category is usually where I discuss the play along scores that were shared. We've not had any play along scores shared in a long time. Now, I think a good portion of that is when you release one episode a month. It's hard for people to keep up with. When I don't stay super active on the Discord, I don't get a lot of stuff sent in. And you know what? It's summertime. People are out doing stuff, and that's fine. But anytime you want to send me a play-along score for anything we've covered in the first three seasons, please send it in on Twitter. You can DM me. Just put it in a regular Twitter post. You can put it in the Discord if you're there. Love getting those to be able to factor in and update our spreadsheet. I'm waiting for Wes to bring back or to enter in all those uh, season two scores that he has he promised us some scores and they haven't come in yet so i'm a little disappointed with mr west there but i do know he started i was gonna say he started the new job not that long ago but it might have actually been like a year ago um i have no excuse for you west you need to get your play and scores submitted <laughs> <laughs> i did actually just talk to him the other day about an upcoming episode he's gonna do i'll, I'll stay nice. on him about that um, the only other thing I'm going to say is that our blog is going to take a new form here. Once I uh, finish a summer class I'm taking, I'm going to retool it just a little bit and make it hopefully a little more user-friendly because I've had some difficulty with that. So that should tie up all the loose ends. Let's go ahead and get to our episode preview. As I said earlier, this is Season 3, Episode 3, Succubus. And let me read my blog. Succubus aired originally on April 21st, 1999. At first glance, I remembered very little about this episode. I wasn't very excited to watch it. Then a friend reminded me that this was the Loch Ness Monster episode, and I couldn't wait to see it. A few things in the South Park universe reached the same levels of cultural relevance as Chef's Parents and Tree Fitty. Research doesn't add a whole lot to this. I'm just ready to sit back and enjoy this episode. I hope it lives up to the hype that I've built up in my head. All right, so for those of you who are playing along at home with us, now is the time to pause the episode, go somewhere and watch it. VHS, if you're old school, DVD, wherever you need to go. But go ahead and watch the episode, score along. You can find the score sheet on our website, www.thespiritofsouthpark.com. Then turn your play-along score into me and come back and listen. Rufio, let's get into the plot review. I'll let you take lead, and I'll follow along. Yeah, just fill in where there's any uh, gaps here. Um, Will do. So the episode opens with Cartman and his mom in the waiting room of the eye doctor's office. Cartman asks his mom if they can leave because the eye doctor always makes fun of him for being fat. Cartman gets called into the exam room and is greeted by the eye doctor immediately saying, how's my little piggy today? The eye doctor proceeds with Cartman's exam, taking every chance he gets and making fun of Cartman for being fat. And at the end of the exam, he informs Cartman that he will need to dilate his pupils. We then cut to South Park Elementary Cafeteria, where Stan, Kyle, and Kenny are waiting in line for lunch. 
Cartman arrives and they proceed to laugh at him because of his enlarged pupils and eye problems in general. <laughs> they decide to ask Chef for help and they enter the kitchen to get their food. Now, instead of Chef, they are greeted by a skinny white guy. He introduces himself as Mr. Derp. Insert ta-da sound effect here. He, he is the exact opposite of Chef in every way. Mr. Derp, yeah. Chef is cool, calm, collected, wise, and Mr. Derp is like, what's what's the comedian who am I thinking of on steroids? Like Gallagher on steroids? Is that what I'm looking for? You're thinking of Carrot Top? Maybe Carrot Top. Yeah, it was somewhere between Carrot Top and Gallagher. Either way. It's an insult to Carrot Top. Yeah, it's probably true. Although, oh, it was probably sure they made fun of in season two. Continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Mr. Derp, insert ta-da sound effect here, <laughs> informs them that Chef has indeed quit and that he is a great new character with goofy antics. The core four end up leaving the kitchen, decide they must go to Chef's house after school to convince him to come back because Mr. Derp, well, they hate him. Then we get over to Chef's house and Chef answers the door and informs the kids that he, in fact, did quit. He says that while he was at the library checking out books on the Kama, Kama Sutra, he met the most amazing woman ever. He continues on about how he brought her back to his house and ended up talking all night. She had informed Chef of his misogynistic ways and had changed him for the better. Just then, she arrives at the door behind Chef and greets the kids. Chef introduces his girlfriend, Veronica. The kids are in disbelief that Chef has a girlfriend, and Chef goes further by explaining that Veronica is moving in with him, and that he's in love. Kyle tells Veronica that Chef always helps them with their problems, and helps helps them by singing songs. So, Chef tells the boys that he can still sing to them, but proceeds to sing a duet with Veronica of the song The Morning After by, Ma by Maureen McGovern. Oh, that's a, that's a good call out there. I, I had no idea where that song came from. Yes, it's... Awful. Uh, <laughs> Chef's voice yeah. is very unchef-like as yes. he's singing, and the kids are stunned. The f we cut to the core four walking along the road, expressing how much of a bitch Veronica is. <laughs> they decide uh, they need to get Chef alone and away from Veronica, and this scene quickly ends with the four four core four agreeing to find out where Chef works and going to visit him the next day. We go back to the eye doctor's office where the eye doctor is presenting the eye test results to Cartman from the previous day. He informs Cartman that he has astigmatism and that the only cure is for Cartman to wear glasses. He puts glasses on Cartman, <laughs> which are goofy. You have to see it. The glasses yes. are comically appropriate. Uh, <laughs> Cartman says he's going to take the glasses off as soon as he leaves, so the eye doctor proceeds to staple the glasses to Cartman's head. <laughs> we then cut to town where Stan, Kyle, and Kenny are walking around trying to find the building where Chef works. Enter Cartman and his glasses. They laugh at him as expected, and then they enter the accounting firm, of which they're standing outside of, and then find Chef in a cubicle. He's completely immersed in mundane, stereotypical office chatter, and the kids tell him he needs to ditch Veronica, and Chef counters by saying that she's helped him realize his old way of life was bad. He then tells Cartman to get laser eye surgery, and that he'll meet up with the rest of the kids to, after work to play ball. Okay, I'm going to jump in here real quick. One of, one of the key parts to me with this whole transition was when they walked into the accountant's office, and they were trying to find Chef. <laughs> and they were... We'll talk about this more in detail later, but they had this conversation with the secretary when they were trying to figure out who Chef was, mm -hmm. and there's a little back and forth there, and then the conversation ends with the secretary telling Cartman he looks like the little boy from Jerry Maguire, and then she can't believe how fat he got. It's just a, just a good interaction altogether. Brief, but, but good. Yes. Back at Chef's house, they confront Chef uh, for not coming to play ball with him after work and chef says he forgot because veronica surprised him at work and took him out to dinner to talk more chef then announces that he and veronica are getting married he invites them to the wedding veronica then starts to once again sing the morning after <laughs> back at school mr garrison is giving a lesson on the facts of life like literally the show the yes, facts of life the show <laughs> <laughs> The bell rings, and the core four ask Mr. Garrison for advice about Chef. He tells them that it sounds like uh, the old succubus syndrome. He explains that a succubus is a woman sent from hell to suck the life out of a man. And this in itself is a very funny interaction. 
Yes. The kids leave and head to chefs to tell him that he's being uh, entranced by a succubus. Cartman's mom pulls up and tells Cartman they need to go to the eye doctor for laser corrective surgery. Cartman goes to the eye doctor, and the other three proceed to Chef's house. Upon arriving at Chef's house, <laughs> an old black man answers the door and introduces himself as Chef's father. They enter the house where Chef is being fitted for his wedding tux. He tells them that he'll be right back, so the boys have a seat and, and wait. Meanwhile, Chef's parents sit across from them and proceed to tell a story about the Loch Ness Monster. Do you want to add anything there, or do because I kind of add on to it as we go through the rest of this uh, recap? Yeah, and at this point, I would say anybody who is familiar with early South Park, or most people, probably probably know where this goes. So I'm going to let you go through your explanation and and see how we do. If if I need to add in, I will. Well, meanwhile, back at the eye doctor, Cartman gets put under uh, to begin his laser eye surgery. And we quickly cut back to Chef's house, where Chef's parents are still telling stories about the Loch Ness Monster trying to get $3.50 from them. <laughs> the kids leave and go to Cartman's house to tell them that the... And Cartman tells them that the eye doctor screwed up and uh, he has to wear a blind... Like these blindfold bandages for three days. While they're there, Veronica stops by to drop off a pie for Cartman. The boys tell her that they know she's a succubus and she comforts them before showing that she is indeed a succubus. At the rehearsal dinner, Chef's father makes a speech, which, of course, ends up with him telling about how the Loch Ness Monster was still trying to get Tree Fitty from him. <laughs> and the core four interrupt the dinner and announce that Veronica is a succubus, and Chef doesn't believe them, tells them to leave, is all hurt, Veronica starts to fake cry, blah, blah, blah. The kids end up back at Cartman's house, surrounded by books. They're researching how to get rid of a succubus, but with no luck, until Kyle finally discovers that a succubus enchants its victim with an eerie melody. He also discovers that only by playing the melody backwards can they get rid of the succubus. Kenny then explains that the lame song that Veronica keeps singing is the melody, and singing it backwards would get rid of her. They learn the song backwards in three hours and arrive at the wedding in time. Chef's father is still telling stories about the Loch Ness Monster wanting Tree Fitty. As the wedding progresses, it's announced that the vows will be in the form of a song. Veronica begins to sing The Morning After. Kyle and Stan then interrupt and sing the song backwards successfully, vanquishing the succubus back to hell, but not before the succubus kills Kenny. Of course. We saw that coming a mile away, right? Yes, that was not a surprise. <laughs> uh, chef takes the kids out for ice cream, and the next day sings a signature chef song for the kids. And the last thing that happens in the episode is Cartman uh, presenting the eye doctor with Kenny's frozen head asking for an eye transplant. And the last thing that happens in the, uh, in the episode is the eye doctor agrees, and the episode concludes... <laughs> With the eye doctor asking Cartman for $3.50. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch that I didn't remember at all. And that's that's episode uh, three episode from season three, three. Season three. One thing I do want to point out, at the end there, there's, there, there's a little drama when they're trying to play the song to sing it backwards. Cartman falls asleep uh, because they mm -hmm. kept him awake for so long, and he's still got his eyes bandaged. And it's kind of funny to see Cartman so helpless and <laughs> that right after Kenny dies and they're all leaving, Cartman's like, is Kenny okay? I, I did mm -hmm. get a good laugh out of that too. But uh, no, very, very good review. Very thorough. I think, uh, you know, it covered pretty much everything, you know, unless we're going into really deep details here. Um, but that's what the rest of the show is for. I've got to ask you, what are your overall reactions to this episode? Well, um, the, you know, the I didn't like it. It just it wasn't what it wasn't one of my favorites. It was probably one of my least favorites. I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna say that it was worse than Tom's rhinoplasty, but it was. <laughs> um, it was pretty bad. Um, and uh, this is one of those times that it it was. I think the score, my score, is lower than I what I actually thought it was. It should have been, uh -huh. just because of how the scoring system fails yet again. Yeah, and I think 
you know, you, you kind of hinted at that it wasn't a very high score for you. I was surprised by that. But then when we started talking here and you said that you had never seen this before, that made a lot of sense. Mm. Whereas if you didn't know what you were expecting coming into this episode, it might be one that's, you know, it's not going to carry a lot of those those things. Like you weren't you weren't walking around most of your childhood, you know, saying, damn Loch Ness Monster wanted Tree Fitty. Um, like like so right. many of us were. I did know Mr. Derp, though. Really? Because mm-hmm. that's a part I didn't remember at all. No, I just, because, well, like, one of the things, like, I, I remember talking about um, as, like, amongst friends as a kid was, like, just, like, basically using the word derp in that same kind. Like, it was from Mr. Derp. It was like, yeah. oh, derp, derp. Like, is that, it is was that like, where derp originated? Surely it had to be somewhere before that. <laughs> beats me. Something, something to Google for another time. So yeah, I'm I'm on the exact opposite side there. This was a highly rated episode for me. I did already put it on my score sheet to see where it fell with all the others. And without getting too far, it does fall in my top 10 in terms yeah. of everything we've gone over so far, and that's 35 episodes. So um, let's go ahead and dig a little bit further in here and see where things end up. I, I will say I do think it came up short in the scoring system in a couple areas, but I I think there's a lot to where it did kind of help itself. So let's go ahead and talk about our scoring system. The scoring system. Our scoring system is split into two parts. First, the character score. We have the core four characters, Stan, Kyle, Cartman, and Kenny. Each character can earn a total of up to three points per episode. The maximum score for the core four per episode is 12 points. We also grade the secondary characters. The secondary characters are characters who are not considered to be part of the core four, and they can earn up to 10 points per episode. The second part of our scoring system is the episode score. The episode score has three five-point categories, relevance, irreverence, and laugh score. The relevance score is based on how relevant the episode is, both now and the time that the episode was made. The irreverence score is based on how the episode disrespects or parodies topics that are generally taken seriously. The laugh score is another five-point category that reflects how much the episode made us laugh as we watched it. We also have the personal score, which is our own subjective score on how we felt about the episode. That category is worth seven points. Finally, we have the SP factor, which is worth one point because 45 is a much better number than 44. It is basically the extra point of our scoring system. All right, Rufio, what did you think of Stan in Succubus? Stan was Stan, and and I there was nothing that stood out to me that said Stan should be getting a, a really high score or a really low score. But I did think it, it was above average. His he there was substance to to his character and what he contributed, um, and dialogue, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like Stan carried the episode. I gave him a, I gave him a healthy score of a two and a quarter. You know we're we're actually not far off there. In my notes, I put that Stan early on in the episode says, "Hey, maybe we're just being jealous here and we're not being fair to Chef." And they all like pause for like half a second and they're like, "Oh no, no, screw that! This lady's a bitch" or or something along those lines. Yeah, Kyle's like. Yeah, screw that bitch. <laughs> and Stan is the one that has the plan to go find Chef alone, away from Veronica, and talk to him, which is how they end up at work. Those were kind of the big points I had for Stan. Stan and Kyle, as usual, well, maybe not usual, but to no surprise, work together to push the episode along um, throughout. And I don't necessarily know if one was stronger than the other. I'll be interested for your opinion here. Um, but I gave Stan a 2 point. Two. So we're not far off there. What did you think of Kyle? Uh, I think you, you were going to say what I was going to say. And, and for <laughs> me, Kyle, I gave the same score. I gave Kyle a two and a quarter. And it was for the same reasons, but Kyle filled in the gaps of substance that Stan left. And they both, they, they were relevant within uh, the episode because they kept the story moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kept the progression of how do we fix this kind of the primary uh, the, the primary storyline yeah um, and um, they both had you know some 
they both had a few, you know, one-liner type things, um, but, you know, nothing ex- extraordinary. So, yeah, I give Kyle a two and a quarter as well. You know, we're, we're putting together the same type of thoughts here because I had um, almost like they were the same role, and I also gave Kyle a 2.2. So we stuck with the same scores for the same reason. Uh, to me, Kyle's big success in this episode was he was the one that discovered how to defeat the succubus when they're going through the books. He was the one that had the big realization of, oh, this is what we need to do. And I was just thinking about this while you were talking, too. If you put all the character actions of Stan and Kyle into the same character, it would be like a three every episode. But because it's split between two characters, you know, it's a little bit watered down. But it's not always that way. But in a lot of cases, it works that way. But that's probably another topic for another time. So how about Cartman? I liked Cartman in this episode. The secondary storyline revolved around Cartman, um, like I think most secondary storylines should uh, either the primary or the secondary needs to revolve around Cartman for South Park to be South Park at sure. this point. I, I, I liked him more than Stan and Kyle, but I didn't go for the full three. Um, I thought the circumstances surrounding Cartman made Cartman funnier than Cartman himself. Yes, with without the eye doctor in this episode, Cartman's role would have taken a serious hit. The humor from the side plot came mostly from the eye doctor. And it's very rarely that you see Cartman in a position where another character has the better of him. Yeah. And it was it was episode long that the eye doctor had a one-up on him and just kept putting him in his place and frustrating him and pissing him off. What, but, but the fact that he could revert to being pissed off and being, you know, bitter, angry Cartman rather than, you know, getting the upper hand, like that's that's what made Cartman so great in this episode in my mind. Well, thanks for giving away your MVP. <laughs> you might be surprised. I, I, gave, I gave Cartman a 2.6. Man, we're really close so far. I'm interested to see where the differences in our scoring show up because I gave Cartman a 2.5. That's what's making me wonder here. I think these next two might be, might be separating points, um, might but be. I kind of already confessed my love for the eye doctor. So let's talk about Kenny. Kenny's death was getting smashed by the succubus at the end of the episode before the succubus was sent back to hell. Nothing special, just expected. Yeah, um, you know, if you're thinking about it that early on, you're thinking, yeah, Kenny's going to get smashed. Maybe not necessarily smashed, but the succubus is going to lead to Kenny's death. I actually thought the succubus was going to literally suck the life out of Kenny. Ooh, that makes sense. And see, I was thinking, I I think I was stuck in, like, Ozzy Osbourne from Chef Aid. I was thinking the succubus was going to bite his head off. Mm. But yeah, any other thoughts on Kenny here? I think that you give Kyle too much credit for um, figuring out how to defeat the succubus. Now, and I, I watched this and I broke it down a couple different ways. Kyle is the one who actually finds in the book how to... Right defeat the succubus how to defeat a succubus kenny is the one who puts the plan into action that describes how exactly that's going to work yeah kenny is the one that explains to the other three that it's the song that she keeps singing and you have to sing that song backwards and yes kenny actually gave a 15 second speech i actually went back and timed it the speech on how they were going to defeat what they were going to do to send the succubus back to hell and it was done so well that i don't think i understood a single word of it and yet i understood every single exactly exactly what he was saying yes just because kenny was um so influential throughout um and and gave that gave that uh was was the one that revealed the how to defeat the succubus i gave kenny the full three the full three okay so a couple of kenny things we haven't discussed yet um at the end when cartman's sleeping kenny punches cartman Mm -hmm. to wake him up um, Mm -hmm. which is just a little funny um and and maybe you didn't catch this but this is probably what made me laugh the hardest throughout the whole episode when they go in and they're talking to the secretary at the accountant's office they're trying to describe who they're looking for because she's like chef i don't i don't know who that is Mm. and they're describing chef and Stan says something, and Kyle says something, and then you hear Kenny mutter (laughs) with a great big dick, and she goes, oh, the black guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did not catch that's what he said. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, okay. It was, I because I thought that's what he said right away. I probably watched it five times just to make sure, but that is 100% what he mumbles. Is that what it says in the, in the subtitles? I couldn't get my subtitles to work on the, the DVD for whatever reason, uh, so I need to see if I can find it somewhere else. But it's it's either a great big dick or a giant or or excuse me a really big dick. But you can if you go back and watch it, you can tell. Huh. And so because all those reasons, and on top of that, I gave Kenny the full three as well. Nice. So how about the secondary characters? Did you make a list of secondaries? I did not make a list. I th- I thought that was Matt's job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly, it was kind of a small list of secondaries. Let me know if you think of anybody I missed here. But I had Miss Cartman. We had uh, the Eye Doctor. Mm-hmm. Mr. Derp. Mm-hmm. Chef. Veronica. The Secretary. Uh, chef's co-workers that ask him if they want to go down to the office supply store and uh, buy leather holsters for their pagers, which was kind of funny in its own right. Uh, Garrison's there. He plays a role. Chef's parents, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I counted the succubus as a separate character from... Veronica. Did I miss anyone? Do you count the Loch Ness Monster? I think we should. I mean, it didn't make a physical representation, but it was there in spirit. And it wanted Tree Fitty. Uh, Mr. Garrison? Garrison, yep. I had Garrison on there. Okay, yeah, Garrison. Um, uh, Mr. Hat? Oh, Mr. Hat should count. You're right, because there is some dialogue between Garrison yeah. and Mr. Hat. And that's one thing we didn't really talk about, was how at, after the boys asked Mr. Garrison for advice... Mr. Garrison goes on this side tangent about how after he sleeps with a woman, he tells him to leave and, and what does he call him, like a poon tank or something like that. Uh (laughs) And and, uh, after the boys leave, Mr. Hat says to Mr. Garrison, uh, you're not fooling anybody. Uh, Uh And it's, it's another good sidebar type moment. So what did you think of the secondaries? Ten. Gave him the 10. Um, just, you have to. The comedy throughout was carried by the secondaries, whether it was Chef's parents or it was um, the, the eye doctor. It was, you know, the, the, the secondary characters were the only things, pretty much, I, basically the only things that made me chuckle in sure. this episode so um with the way that the roles that they played in the episode and them contributing to um the, the little bit of my laugh score it, i gave them the full 10 okay i'm very interested to see where this goes south because you've you've came in with a higher character score than what i have and right now i'm just going back over some old data right now you have given up the highest total character score since matt gave a 20 point two on chef's chocolate salty balls interestingly enough the secondary characters were amazing in this episode really were there weren't many of them but they were also good like you said the eye doctor things are strongly driven here by um chef and veronica chef's parents chef's dad one of my favorites from the episode obviously (laughs) yep just the way everything always came back to the loch ness monster no matter what the Girl Scout <laughs> cookie thing is probably the part of this episode that always sticks in my mind the most. Mm-hmm. I came in with a full 10 as well. So what's your character score? Overall, so if we're looking at overall totals here, I came in at a 19.9, and you came in at a 20.1. So it's, it's really close. It is. It's super close. But I, I was the one that said they were high on this episode. You were like, meh, whatever. Yeah. So the, the difference here is you gave a 2.25 to Stan and Kyle, where I was just a 2.2. Oh. Then you were a 2.6 on Cartman, and I was a 2.5. Slightly, slightly higher. Okay. Slightly. Slightly. Either that tells me one of two things. Either you've been screwing with me the whole time, which I do <laughs> kind of appreciate if you are, or <laughs> your episode score is going to be quite a bit different than mine. So let's find out. Let's. Let's talk about relevance. And typically, I lead off here. In terms of relevance and irreverence, that's, this episode was lacking there, I think. Obviously, the Loch Ness Monster might be the most relevant part of this episode. Whether or not that was something that you remember as being too totally relevant in your childhood. I do actually remember um, being at my grandparents' house and watching a lot of Discovery Channel with my grandfather who, like, all he could do is sit in a chair and 
listen to the TV. But I do remember seeing quite a few Loch Ness monster documentaries, and so that was something that was at least on my radar at that point. The only other thing I put for relevance are people who change their life quickly after meeting someone, like the people who get married way too fast, and you probably know the type of person I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And that was the only other relevance I could really find. So I didn't come in with a high score. I gave it a 1.4. Holy crap. <laughs> what say you? <laughs> Insert the Kevin Hart, it's about to go down gif. <laughs> My relevant score was actually higher than yours. Really? I almost expected you to say zero. No, because I, I just, the relevance of... I think it was still relevant of, you know, kids needing glasses as, you know, elementary school kids. That's Mm -hmm. when I got my glasses. Like, I got my glasses in first grade. Yeah. And that's that's a big stressful event. Uh, So, like, the relevance of, like, kids going to eye doctors at that point, um, uh, the relevance of a woman coming in and changing a man's life in the way that he is just, like, immediately, for better or for worse... Right. And so for, for me, it was just like, yeah, the actual relevance, it wasn't relevance in a way that it was um, satirical or parody, really, in that type of way that South Park usually does it. But just mm-hmm. the relevance of um, these aren't things out of the ordinary. These are more like ordinary kind of things that you don't think of in this kind of light. And I gave relevance. Yeah. My relevance score was a two. Ooh, interesting. So your score keeps going higher. <laughs> than mine but yeah i think you know the whole glasses thing like you said when you're in grade school that's that's a big deal like people mm-hmm. stress over that i've seen it i remember you know kids growing up that were that way so yeah that's a good shout out there i like that um a reverence my reference score is a little higher here um this episode specifically made fun of women And like we're talking about how they come into a man's life and change them or, you know, and just specifically the whole succubus idea that they're sucking the life out of a man, changing them and just ruining everything for them. And then, I mean, they're comparing it to the devil and things we typically think of as bad. You know, we we turned a woman into a demon and sent her back to hell in this episode. The other thing I thought was, you know, old people, chefs parents were a stereotype they the whole character was built around the stereotype of old people who tell stories and they fabricate those stories and they just go deeper and deeper with every retelling every yes yes and it just uh the the whole Loch Ness monster arc to me is just hilarious I I laughed to the point of almost crying watching this both times because the, the Loch Ness Monster thing was so good. But uh, they definitely rip on, on old people. And, and honestly, if you want to take it that far, you can even, you can even play or, or look into the race aspect of it, too. Just in the way things were presented from Chef's parents' perspective. With all of that being said, I gave an irreverent score of a 3.8. Huh. Are you above me there? Negative, Ghost Rider. Okay. Basically... The reasons that you gave, but I thought that as far as South Park goes, they really didn't go very far. Definitely not as far as they would. Yeah, so for for me, it was, you know, the same basic reasons, but as far as South Park goes, and thinking in the context of what we've already seen so far, I, it just, it wasn't irreverent. It, it was, yeah. it was slightly stereotypical, but it wasn't irreverent in the, in the, in a shocking way. So I gave an irreverence score of one. Now, I, I see the difference there in how we approach irreverence. I look at it as in what groups or what people could most likely be offended or would be offended or have a problem with the way things were portrayed within the episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I came in as high as I did, because I this <laughs> this episode was not a compliment to women. And it was not... I think that the stereotype that Chef's parents played out was definitely over the top but i like how you put that in terms of when compared to a typical south park or what we know of south park it doesn't it doesn't touch some of the levels that other things have yeah it, it was almost it was almost like they, they were afraid to to go there yeah it's like maybe you know this is something we could do at another time but let's not go that far we don't have to go that far 
but for that reason, and it is South Park, I that's why yeah. I gave it and the I, one. I think I think that's you know too maybe just uh, an idea of the expectations we have coming in here. If you're expecting something certain and you don't get it, you're probably going to come in on with a lower score there. Yeah, I can I can respect it. I see where you're coming from. Um, so I might have actually just jumped ahead of you now in terms of total score. I'm not sure. It's close. Not that it matters. We'll find out. Uh, laugh score. I'll let you go here. What were some things that made you laugh in this episode? Not much made me laugh. I appreciated the chef's dad telling the story and the interaction with chef's mom. I liked the chef's song at the end, which was more of like a finally we get a chef's song kind of thing. And, you know, so the words were, were pretty pretty spot on. That was a song I don't remember at all. Like, I've never oh, yeah. heard that outside of that episode. And that was that was a special treat. And especially when, when Garrison chipped in at the very end with his own little part of it. It was it was really good. But other than that, I did not. I, it was not, you know, the Cartman stuff. Like, it was not it was not part of my lab score. Like, it really it was. It was Cartman-esque, but it didn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't the typical Cartman laugh yeah. that I get out of them. Yeah, I was just going to go along with, with what you were saying there. The, the Cartman and Eye Doctor thing to me, I mean, you know my sense of humor. I'm a little out there anyway. The the whole setup between Cartman and the Eye Doctor was just phenomenal. I, I was laughing, and, and I think it goes back to, to what we were talking about, just the, the change in power where it wasn't Cartman who was always in charge or, or in the power in that, that relationship there. And I, man, I laughed at all of it hmm. multiple times. My laugh score, I came in with a two. We're definitely off here again. Going back over some of the things I laughed at, I talked about Cartman and the Eye Doctor. Uh, Cartman, just the whole process of him getting glasses when they get stapled to his head, because he says, you know, I'm going to take them off, and it's like, no, you're not. When they went to Garrison for help, that whole sequence right there, and just because it's it's different, and the advice Garrison gives, and the whole Garrison obviously covering up, having the preference for men. The whole interaction with Chef's dad, Chef's dad kept calling them crackers, the Loch Ness Monster story, obviously. Little thing I noticed when they went to the accountant's office, it was called Steinberg and Bergstein, mm-hmm. which, little thing, but it made me laugh. Uh, the interaction with the secretary at at the accountant's office, her calling Cartman fat, Kenny, describing Chef. Um, and then, as you said, Chef's song at the end was just kind of the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, as far as I was concerned. I laughed out loud multiple times throughout the whole episode, and I gave it a full five. That does not surprise me at all. Just knowing your humor, and, and especially with you having the nostalgia factor in this as yes. well, that I was fully expecting a five from you. And that's that's kind of, you know, as we've gone through this, that's kind of where I see I think our difference is, is I had an expectation. I think that was a comment I made to you when we first talked. I said, very rarely do I have an expectation for an episode and the episode actually live up to that expectation, and this one 100% did, probably mm-hmm. more than that. So because of that, and because of the just epicness of the Loch Ness Monster and that story being told, I gave a personal score of a 6.7, almost as high as I go. Hmm. But since I didn't remember the episode title with everything that went with it, I just I docked it a few points. I, I definitely thought you were going to be a 7 there. I know, I know. It was close, but not quite. My personal score was low. It was uh, probably just because that I didn't have the nostalgia factor, and you take away the nostalgia factor from it, and watching it for the first time, you know, as a 35-year-old, it's okay. It's And especially with what you know South Park can be and has been since, it's, you know. Um, so my personal score, I came in with a 3. Okay. And I, I think, you know, the like we talked about, you came in with a certain expectation for what you are used to seeing out of South Park. And just the fact that you hadn't seen it before, I think, made, made a big difference here. Mm, I'd say so. So now I understand why we're as far off as we are. How about the South Park factor, I'm assuming? Yep. It got it. It got it. Okay. So our composite character score was a 20 even. And our composite episode score, I was almost nine whole points higher than you. Oh, 
Um, our composite was a 13.45. Total, I had a 37.8 for this episode, and you had a 29.1, <coughs> giving us a composite of a 33.45. That reminds me, um, Wes, get your, Wes, get your listener scores in. <laughs> yes, you, you gave it a Wes. I just noticed that. Um <laughs> I should know that number. It's on my car. Yeah, you, you pulled a Wes here. I might... We might have to make that the Wes slash Rufio sticker here. No, no. It, I just, <laughs> it was a happy coincidence. It's, it's, Wes, it's Wes's number. I'm just nice. borrowing it for, for, the, for this pod. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go ahead and while I'm totaling stuff up here, why don't you go over your favorite moment? My favorite moment was actually something that you brought up earlier and okay. uh, and this was the only kind of nostalgia not nostalgia it was more just so just knowing what's coming um mm -hmm. and it was the interaction with uh mr garrison the kids asking mr garrison for advice on on chef and mr garrison talking about you know how he goes and you know, whenever he sleeps with women he just he just bangs him and then and then gets rid of him and get rid of, get out of here, Poontang. And then, and then Mr. Hat saying, "You're not fooling anyone." And yeah. that that was that was my favorite moment. It was Mr. Hat saying, "You're not fooling anyone." And Mr. Garrison, uh, shut up, Mr. Hat. Like just knowing what's what's in the future for uh, Mr. Garrison. Yeah, and I do think that adds a little little extra to it when you know where certain character arcs end up and characters say and do certain things and that is a prime example of it um my favorite moment was the the whole interaction with the secretary at the accountant's office you know kenny they're describing chef and, and kenny's involvement there and the secretary calling cartman fat it, it was just such a short interaction Mm -hmm. But it was it was quality, and it could easily be overlooked. And I mean, Kenny actually did something, so I, I've got to give him his his props for that. Um, what was your favorite quote? My favorite quote was a chef quote. When chef, when they found chef in in the office, and he was explaining how his old life was just not the way anymore. <laughs> I know I know what quote you're going with here. Yeah. That's good. So chef goes, meaningless sex is fun for 20 or 30 years, but after that it gets old. <laughs> I think I had that on my short list for uh, for favorite quote there. That was that was good. What was yours? Uh, my favorite quote. Let me pull it up here so I make sure I get it right. My favorite quote was from Chef's dad. And it was at the very beginning when he first started talking to the boys and he said Say, would you crackers like to, to hear about the time we saw the Loch Ness Monster? And that was, in my mind, incredible foreshadowing for the last 15 minutes of the episode. And the fact that they say, not really, and he keeps, and he just goes on. Oh, and yes. They're, they're like, no, we're good. And he just gives it to him anyway. So with everything we've said, who is your MVP for this episode? I took the low-hanging fruit. Uh, my runner-up was was Kenny, actually, um, okay. because you know Kenny was the one that explained how to get rid of the succubus and woke up Cartman to keep the the boombox playing at the yep. end and everything. But uh, I I there were a few others on the list, but I had to go with Chef's dad. Just it, that was um, <laughs> you know I thought about going with the eye doctor. I thought about. Um, yeah. Just, it, but it just the way that it's the way that uh, Chef's dad would like the Girl Scout thing, like, and then I yeah. realized that it was a near two hundred foot tall. It's like, <laughs> like just the ridiculous of ridiculousness of it. If you really take, if you think about it, if you take out Chef's dad, there is nothing funny about the wedding. Yeah, and that was, you know, maybe maybe that was his role throughout was to provide the laughs in maybe what was a drier plot there. Um, but I also went with Chef's Dad because it seemed obvious. The optometrist was my close second. Which is actually not correct. That would be an ophthalmologist, not an optometrist. <laughs> when I said that, I was like, oh, I hope I said that. But it right. says on the on the sign outside the building, it says the op optometry or, or optometrist's office or something. Yeah, and that's that's where I got that from, so I'll just blame them. 
but yeah, Chef's Dad was the obvious choice here. It was it's such a classic moment, and even though you've never seen it and had no idea what it was, I'm curious. I would like to hear other people's opinions on Tree Fitty and how much they remember of that from before before times before the Spirit of South Park. If I think of it on my next episode, I will ask that guest and see if he remembers. All right, let's discuss where everything fell here. So, with a composite score of a 33.45, Succubus falls in at number 22 overall, which puts it just below Cartman's Mom is a Dirty Slut and just above Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. Jeez. It's only 0.15 points behind Cartman's Mom, and Mm. it is, quick math, 0.7 points above Salty Balls. Others in that area, a little bit above it, are Chicken Pox, Mexican Staring Frog of Southern Sri Lanka, which interestingly enough was another one that I was really high on and uh, the co-host was low on. But that also scored lower, even though it was a good, you know, it, the, the score of it was lower than... Yes, one of those where the, the scoring system yeah. didn't necessarily do it any favors, absolutely. So yeah, 22nd out of 35. Five. What do you think about that? Is that the right spot? I'm. I think it's low. It's. It's. But not by much. I. I'd say that if anything, this deserves to be top twenty, but just like number nineteen or twenty, um, yeah. because it does have. You know, you've never met any of Chef's family before. You mm-hmm. now have a sense of where he comes from. It was. I love Chef, and the primary pot, plot line revolved around Chef. Um, yeah. just not in a way that was extremely entertaining to me. Not, I mean, other primary plot, plot lines with Chef have been much better since this episode. Sure. Um, even though it included Chef, you know, it wasn't the Chef we know and love. This was Chef in a changed... The hollow you know, shell of a man. Personality, yeah. 20, 22nd, yeah, okay, I could see it being 22nd i think it probably deserves to be a little bit higher i could see it somewhere between the 15 to 20 range um there's things up there like big gay house big gay boat ride starving marvin pink eye like there's a lot there that i think it's just as good as but i don't think it needs to be maybe it's it's in my top 10 and i said that earlier it's in it actually falls number 10 for me on our co-host rankings overall it falls at 29 but that's also very highly dependent on the nostalgia factor. Yes, 100%. I think if we if we use that as the, the floor and the ceiling, 10 and 29, I think that's exactly where it should be. <laughs> that's, that's a big gap, but uh, it's there. Just one other thing of note I thought was interesting was that of the, the guest scores since Matt left, this was the second lowest guest score. That's by 8.3 points. So... I mean, I've had I've had six guests come on since then. Most of the guest scores have been pretty high. So you're either a trailblazer or you're wrong. I'm from Portland. I'm a trailblazer. I knew you were going to say that. I gave you the perfect, perfect segue there. All right. Anything else we want to say here before we wrap it up? I think we're all set to say our thanks. As always, I want to thank everyone who listens and takes the time out of their day to follow along with us. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent in play-along scores, which... You know, it's been a while. Wes, you should probably do that. If you would like more from the show, you can check out our new updated blog at www.thespiritofsouthpark.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SOSP. And if you'd like, you can always join our Discord channel and submit your play-along scores and see what we're doing there. And finally, I want to thank Alexander Nakarada for the theme song and the music you've heard here in the episode. And finally... Rufio, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me back. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, be a good person.